0: We started a series last week called Seven Days, and it, we've been talking about, it's a series that's going to lead us up to Easter, talking about um, Passion Week, and Passion Week is, uh, got its name from the week before Jesus went to the cross. Last Sunday, we talked about Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, which was prophesied some 400, 500 years before that, of Jesus riding in on the donkey as he did. That we, we talked about worshiping God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And again, if you missed that one, I encourage you to go back and, and uh, listen to that one or watch the, watch the service online. Um, Monday of that week, Jesus clears the temple. That's what we're going to talk about today. Jesus goes in and actually for the second time, goes into the temple and clears it out because he didn't like what he saw. And actually today, we're going to do two days. We're going to do Monday and Tuesday. Tuesday is when Jesus spent most of his day teaching on the Mount of Olives. The disciples start asking questions, and he's giving them the lowdown of what's about to happen. He's trying to get them to see that what they thought was going to happen, Jesus was going to establish his earthly kingdom and take over. But he had, a, he had bigger things in mind about the, the kingdom of God and his heavenly kingdom, and that's what he teaches about most of, most of Tuesday. On Wednesday, the Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot. Most theologians believe that Jesus was with Martha and Mary and he rested. The Bible tells us that he was really kind of preparing for Thursday. And Thursday was when we, what we know as the Last Supper. Well, Jesus tells them to go wait in the upper room. And he goes, he goes to them and they have uh, what we would know as communion together. Before Friday, and Friday is when he goes to the cross for us. Saturday is when he goes... The Bible actually says he goes to the pit of hell. For us here on the earth, it was, a, it was a day of waiting and wondering. The people at the time wondered if Jesus was actually gonna come back, if he was gonna show up again or if that was it and their grand hopes were over. And then on Sunday, of course, and we'll, we'll lead up to this is Easter, which is Super Bowl Sunday for us as Christians, the day the Bible says that Jesus took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He paid once and for all for your and my sin, so that we could spend eternity with with God. And we celebrate that day. But we don't talk a lot about God's passionate pursuit for us, and that's where Passion Week gets its name, the week before Easter leading up to what Jesus would do for us on Friday and go to the grave for us. Last week, again, we talked about Jesus riding into Jerusalem. And the night before... Actually, on that would have been on that Sunday, and on Monday, Mark tells us something in his version in the book of Mark that's not in the other versions. And I want to show you this. This is a Mark 11:11, 11, 11, and this would have been Sunday night into Monday morning. And it says, "So Jesus came to Jerusalem and went into the temple, and after he looked around at, carefully at everything, he left." which was strange to me. I've never really figured this verse out. Why did he go to the temple? Because he tells us in the next part of the verse, it was late in the afternoon or late Sunday afternoon. This would have been at the end of Sunday going into Monday. And then he returned to Bethany with the 12 disciples. Bethany was just outside of of the temple, so he would have gone there to stay and spent the night there. So this is the night before Jesus clears the temple again for the second time. And as I was reading it this week, I had this thought, when Jesus walked into the temple and the Bible says he carefully looked around, it never says he said anything, but you need to remember a couple things. Everybody there knew why he was there. They knew why he was there because just hours earlier, Jesus had rode into Jerusalem and all of the people there to celebrate Passover were, were cheering and screaming and throwing palm leaves on the ground as Jesus rode in. So they, they were all, all these people were in the temple, knew who Jesus was, yet, he, yet they didn't change a thing. It would be kind of like if, you're, if you've ever done it with your kids, anybody ever walked into the room, you know your kids are doing something wrong and you just walk into the door and stand. You don't have to say a word and they all know what? Like we're in trouble. Most kids, not all kids, stop, right? Well, Jesus essentially did that to the temple. He, he walks in and goes, not liking what he sees and nothing changed. Because the next morning he would go in and start clearing the temple. They had to be, he had to be looking at the same thing he was looking at the night before. He had to be looking at it and the people were acting like this, and I think we do this, that we're acting as if God can't see our issues. And if we're honest, a lot of us do that. We sit, maybe in church, or we sit with people and friends, and we think we can fool them. And so therefore, if we can fool them, then, then what? We've, we've got God fooled. He doesn't know about the issue that I struggle with. He doesn't know about the hurt that I have. And I think Jesus says very clearly, I'm here to make sure that you, that you know that I do know. And I know because not because I'm judging you, but because I care. See, do we live our lives the same way as if Jesus can't see what's going on? He took great steps to, um, on Passion Week to, to remove any barrier between God and his people. That ultimately that's what happened on Passion Week. At the end of the week, when we started the week, the Bible, according to the Bible, we could not go freely to God. You had to follow the Jewish laws and had to do all the sacrifices and everything they did. To cleanse yourself for the year. Once Jesus went to, the, went to the cross and was raised from the dead, he removed all of these roadblocks, the things that are sin in our life that, kept, that would keep us from God. He did this so, like we talked about last week, we could worship him with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And I wondered this, and I'm going ask you this same question. You ever wonder why Jesus cleared the temple? The Bible says, and we're not going to read it right now, but the first time he actually went in and he fashioned a whip and went in and started chasing out the people who were, who were selling stuff that he wasn't happy with. He was that passionate about it. And Jesus was clear. He came to make it clear that he was removing these barriers. But you ever wonder why Jesus did that? Look at this verse in Mark chapter 11. This is Mark's version. Again, this whole week is talked about more than the rest of Jesus' life by far in all four gospels and it says when they arrived back in Jerusalem Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice see there's a story there that if you know kind of the backstory, story the when you brought an, an animal to make sacrifice or to give it you gave it to the priest and the priest at that time would have to look at your goat, your dove, your sheep, or whatever it was, and say, okay, because it had to be spotless. You couldn't go into your flock of, of sheep and pull out the one with three legs and no left eye and say, okay, I'm gonna give that to God. We're gonna have to kill it anyway. It's not really that worth that much. So we're just gonna give that to God. So the Bible says it tells you that the, and if you read through the Old Testament, the priest had to approve. Well, like anything, these priests were just as crooked as the rest of some of these people. And they had set up a little scheme with the people who were selling the sacrificial animals inside the temple gates. So you would go to the priest and the, say, hey, here's, here's my my sheep. And he would say, Even if it was perfect, he would say, hey, that's not, not going to cut it, but I know where you can get one. And he would send them out to go buy from the the people selling out outside the temple, in, actually inside the temple gates. And Jesus wasn't having this. He wasn't, he said, this is not okay. See, then the Bible goes on to tell, I didn't give you the rest of the verse, but if you look at the rest of this verse, it says he began to knock over the tables and the money changers of those selling things. See, people all over the world would come to the temple for, and to, to worship, so people were coming from with different money and the Bible tells if you read really read through it it tells you that there's a what they called a, is a temple coin or temple currency. So all you had to exchange whatever money you had or whatever gold you have for temple currency. So just like if you've ever traveled internationally you go to another bank and you give them dollars for whatever their money is, there's a conversion rate. And what was happening is these people were actually getting ripped off because the money changers in the house of God were ripping people off and either keeping part for themselves or giving them such a ridiculous rate. And Jesus wasn't happy about it because they were doing everything they could to throw a roadblock in for them to worship, trying to, trying to take advantage of it. They were keeping people from worship. People, they were doing their best to, to cause them to lose focus. They were trying to, the devil does the same thing to us. He tries to get in the way. We, you know, we do the donuts this morning. And it started off a few years ago as really kind of a a ploy. (laughs) You know, hey, remember, it's time change Sunday. And for all of those who will walk in at 11, we'll all wave at them and say, oh, they obviously forgot. Now with cell phones, it's not that big a deal. But we started it just to remind people, but we, we do these we do the donuts to try to help remind you. But the problem is we still all fight this distraction. Now honestly with showing hands, if you're online you can participate too. How many of you had the thought this morning? And my hands up, I'm telling you my my hands raised. I really don't know if I want to go this morning. Come on now, don't be holy. When I rolled out of bed this morning, I thought, I don't want to go this morning. And then I remembered, I have to. The devil just began to throw stuff in front of me, and I was just, I was this word here. I was distracted. And the devil was fighting, and he's try- when Jesus came in, all these people were just getting in the way. It would be as if we made you run through all these things just to get in here to participate in worship today. But a lot of us, our relationships are like, is like that with God. Every time we think, ooh, I need to pray, I need to read my Bible, I need, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to worship for a little bit, something pops up, the devil points you in another direction. The people were also doing this by selling and treating the worshippers the way. They were devalued. I believe Jesus was looking at them and, and he was seeing them devalue what he was about to do for us. The priests were cheating people making them go out and actually bring in an inferior sacrifice instead of letting the people bring and give what was their perfect sacrifice. They were devaluing what Jesus was about to do for us. You may or may not know this. If you come to One Step Connect tonight, you will know this, that one of the things we strive to do here, whether you're in the room or you're joining us online, in any given service, we ask ourselves, Is there anything we do that we just don't need to? Now, I'm not talking about changing the Bible. I'm not talking about changing the gospel. But is there something that we're doing that's a barrier for somebody to take one step in their faith? If you're visiting, you can see it all over our signage. Our vision, our our mission is to simply do this, to help people take one step from where they are to where God wants them to be. And if you take a step today, then we consider that a win. But the problem is, a lot of churches do stuff that people can't get around. Whether it's making them feel like they gotta be perfect to come in or you make them feel like they've gotta reach a certain level to come, and we don't play that game. Because Jesus said when he stood at that gate, I believe when he stood at the gate of the temple and saw all this going on, he said, I don't like any of this. I don't like what I'm looking at. Just much, much like I think he would look at our lives and go, I don't like that part of your life, Clint. But you know what? Come anyway. That all those people that were breaking the law of God, that he was, he was going to have to throw out and correct it and put a stop to it, yet he was able to look at it and go, but come anyway. And that's the, what we, that's the way we believe here. Bring, in, bring your mess, bring everything with you, because God, God said, I'll deal with that later. I want to be close to you first. Then he goes on in Mark chapter 11, verse 16, and I'm going to have to admit, I, I've read this a thousand times, and until this week, I never really picked up on this, but this verse here, it says, Jesus, this is the, right after he went in and said, hey, stop selling stuff, stop cheating people with the money changers, it says, and he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace, and as I begin to read that, another version says in the NIV says, and he would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple. Well, if you, if you look up the temple, it was basically a big, giant, rectangular wall. And inside that wall was known as the courts. And the courts had a tent in it, and without going into all the detail, the tent is where the Ark of the Covenant stayed, if you remember from Indiana Jones. That's where that stayed and there's all the holy items were in there and that's where the priest had to go once a year to atone for the sins of all of Israel, of all the Jews. But on the outside of that, there were four gates. One gate was on one side, one gate on the other. And so people would realize that, that it was a long way around. And so even if they weren't stopping to worship, weren't participating in worship, didn't really care about God at all, it was almost a half mile to walk all the way around, to go to Bethany on one side and the Mount of Olives on the other. And so Jesus went in and he he put a stop to it. What he essentially did is said, hey, this is not a shortcut. These were people who really didn't care. They were treating God like an inconvenience or even like some, a lot of Christians, especially in the South, we do. We treat God like he's a backstop. Like if all else fails, I need to get just enough to punch my heaven card. And then that way, I'm not going to hell. That's all I care about. It's like God's a get out of hell you know, card. That people were so distracted, they were devalued. And in walking through this, the other thing they did, they were just dismissing God. And it's hard for us to, well, I take it back. It's not hard for us because in the South, we have a lot of these same traditions. Anybody ever, I was actually told this in a church when I was a senior in high school. I walked into a church. It wasn't my church. I walked into a church. I was wearing my high school baseball cap. And I'll never forget, this older gentleman came up and put his finger in my face and told me, son, take your hat off in the house of God or you're going to go to hell. Well, as a teenager, what did you think I did? And then I realized, now I got hat head. And I was actually going to the youth group with them, with my buddy, and there's all these hot girls there. Now I got hat head. Now I'm stuck. Now I got hat head, and there's all these cute girls there, but I don't want to go to hell. Like I. I'd put it on, then I'd think about, it. oh God, I'm going to go to hell. I'm going to send me to I'd take it off. Ooh, this oh, girl's like, oh yeah, hey, hey, you got a hat. Yeah, I know. Put the hat back on. Oh crap, I'm going to hell again. And see, with the, for the people of the time, we laugh in the South because we do the same thing. We do. People come in here all the time, during the week or during service, and you want to wear a hat, wear a hat. As long as it's not one of those big giant ones that the people behind you can't see. You want to wear a hat, wear a hat. God is not falling off the throne because you may or may not wear a hat. We we have these expectations in the South, these religious traditions. That when we say, let me ask you this, you'll sit down at, at dinner today or lunch or whatever you call it, the meal following church. And you're at grandma's house, your auntie's house, whatever, you sit down for a good meal, and somebody says, Oh, let's bless it. What is it? every every male in the room, what do they do? They won't take the hat off even for nothing. They, ha- they had to suction it off their head. But as soon as you say, Let's, we're going to bless the food, they pop it off. Why? It's just, it's, we would say we're honoring God, but if we're honest, it's just tradition. See, these people were wandering through the temple cutting through because they were it was too lazy to walk around and they were dismissing the very presence of God. He, he's, he saved me. It's okay. He he I you know I go once a year on Easter and, and that keeps God happy. See, just like people do today, we just give a God we give God a wave and and move on. I think Jesus went in and said, no, 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 this is not how this relationship works. You're welcome to come through. You're welcome to come in. But you come in because I'm about to give my life so that you have the freedom. The Bible tells us once Jesus came and died for us that we can come boldly to the throne. We can walk in like we own the place because Jesus paid the price. And these people were just cutting forth, back and forth. He even said this in Mark chapter 11. And I think he was just demonstrating his authority when he stopped it. But he said to them, the scriptures declare that my house will be a house of, called a house of prayer for all nations. But talking to the people that he was kicking out and the traffic he was stopping, he said, but you've turned it into a den of thieves. See, what we don't know, may not know, I didn't know, maybe you know this. But that the, the Greek word, the original language of the Bible... For that phrase, house of, Bible, house of prayer, literally means this, a place set apart to meet with you. God saying, this is my spot for me and you to hang out. Now we know that the Bible tells us that we are the temple of God. When you get saved, the Bible says the spirit of God is placed on, placed within you. But what he was telling these people is, hey, this is not a place to come dismiss me. This is not a place to come devalue what I'm about to do and lay my life down. This is not a place for you just to overlook and be distracted and not even know I'm here. But this is a place where you're going to understand that I think Jesus was saying, well, I'm about to show you how passionate I am, how passionate I am to do what, you, what God has asked me to do. Now, there's a lot more that goes on on Monday. The Bible tells us on Monday that Jesus leaves the temple and heads out the gate that goes to the Mount of Olives. I've never been there, but I have friends who have, and they say that the topography of of Jerusalem, where the temple is or will be restored to, you can actually see across to the Mount of Olives. And the Bible tells us that Jesus spent most of his day on Tuesday teaching. And he started out teaching the disciples, but as he taught, people began to show up. So here he's just gone into the temple. He's just cleared it out. He said, no, this is not what this is. This is to be a place where I get to hang out with you. Where I get to, the, the priest would actually go into the Holy of Holies, and he had to pay the he sacrificed an animal for all of Israel, and the Bible said his life had to be perfect. His wardrobe had to be perfect. You may or may not know this, but they actually would tie a rope to the man's leg. He had bells on the hem of his garment, and if the bells stopped ringing, that was their sign to pull him out, because if he wasn't everything in line, if he wasn't following all the rules, if he hadn't cleared all the barriers, he was a dead man. And Jesus is coming into the temple and saying, I'm about to do away with all that because I'm going to pay the price that you can't pay. And then he leaves and goes to the Mount of Olives. Well, as he's going, remember the disciples don't know what's really going on yet. They think Jesus is going to start his, his earthly kingdom, that he's going to somehow take over the government. They were really clueless, they were worried about things that they shouldn't have been. They were asking these questions, like, how will we know? God, how will we know that you're going to come back? When are you going to come back? And look at what he tells them. He's doing this because the Bible says he wants to be close. Let me read you this verse. It's not going to be on the screen, but this is in Matthew 24. It says, later Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, tell us. When will all this happen? When are you coming back? What's the sign and the signal of your return? You see, Jesus was not going to set up a, an earthly kingdom. He was doing something so that he could do this simple thing. He was doing something so, he, so God the Father could be close that the meeting place, the, the place of him showing up with us, that God's showing up in our life, none of that could happen, the Bible says, until Jesus did what he was passionately going for and willingly laying himself down. And the disciples were all worried about they asking the wrong question. It was not the how or the when, what it'll look like, but Jesus actually did give them he said, I'm going to give you a clue, and it's going to be a season. Let me give you another verse, and this one will be in your message notes on the, on the live, but it's not going to be on the screen. It says, hey, you're going to end up on the witness stand. This is out of the message version. He says, you're going to end up on the witness stand, and, I'm, and they're going to throw accusations at you. They're going to call you names. So I need you to do this. I need you to make up your mind right now. Because he begins to tell them all the things that are going to happen. He begins to tell them all that's coming. And they weren't getting it. You're focused on the how, the when, and the where. But Jesus says, I'm coming so we can be close. And I need you to focus on the who. Stop worrying about all this other stuff. He goes on and tells, tells them to stay alert. He says, and since you don't know when the day will come, he says, be on guard and stay alert. Focus not on the how or the when, but focus on the who. He says, I'm trying to get close. A matter of fact, the Bible tells us in James chapter 4, Come close, and I'll come close to you. The disciples still went back to the questions, how will we know? When is the end? And then Jesus answers with this in Matthew 24. He says, he's on the Mount of Olives. They're asking, tell us when, what sign? When's the end of the world coming? And here's here's the verse in the message version. I love the way this reads. It says you're going to end up on the witness stand. called to testify. Make your mind up right now not to worry about it. See, Jesus went in and all these barriers and roadblocks were in front of people to have them take their one step. And he went in and cleared all those out. And then he let the disciples even know, hey, there's going to be more stuff. I wish I could stand here and tell you it's going to be happy, happy, joy, joy, rainbow skittles and M&Ms every day. And if any, any church or pastor tells you that, they're lying to you because it's not. What it is, is that God said, I'm going I'm to give you the ability not to worry about it. Because I'm going to be so close. Look at the next part of the verse. He says, I'll give you the words and the wisdom that will reduce your accusers and those people that are coming at you to mere stammers and stutters. One version says, I'm going to cause them to be speechless because they're going to realize that you're close to me and you're hearing my words. So it's not the how or the when. Focus on the who. On Jesus. And he was preparing them. He was teaching. If you go back and read all that he talked about on on that Tuesday, he's preparing them. He's telling them all the things they can look for. How do they know he's coming back? And he actually tells them in Mark 13, 32, he says, However... It tells them all this story of that the end of the world is coming, and it's going to be wars, and rumors of wars, and earthquakes, and hurricanes. And, I mean, any of this stuff sounding familiar? It's happening right now. Now, when is God coming back? This verse tells us, however, nobody knows the hour of when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven, or Jesus himself. Only the Father knows. And if anybody ever leads and starts talking about, hey, on this date, on July 23rd, whatever, you know, then you just walk away. Because the Bible's very clear. Nobody knows. And he goes on in verse 33. He says, since you don't know what time that will be, be on guard and stay alert. Why? Because people are, people and the devil are going to try to distract you. They're going to try to cause you to devalue what, what Jesus has done for you. They're going to cause you to, to, to dismiss the God showing up in your life. Man, you guys can come, ushers. You guys can, can do your thing. I want to read you this verse. Matthew tells it this way, what it's going to look like. See, Jesus wanted them to know, not because he was, they were going to worry about the wind, but because he knew distraction would come. He knew he knew that the devil would try to point them in different directions. But this is in Matthew 24, verse 12. And Jesus says, sin, now tell me if this again doesn't sound like today or today's times. Sin will be rampant, and the love of many will grow cold. See when you begin when you're distracted, when you're devaluing, and you begin to dismiss that God's even there for you? Because I've asked that question too. I know I'm not the only one in the room and maybe this is for you today. Anybody ever asked the question of, God, are you really there? Because I'm not feeling it. Jesus, are you really gonna show up this week like you said you would? Do those people in that church really want me there? Because I feel like I gotta jump through a lot of hoops to get there. Bible says that sin will be rampant and our, their love will grow cold. And I think a lot of it's because we get frustrated. It's why we do everything we can do here to take those barriers out of the way. So that if you're new today, you can see that I hope this is what you see in us. That we're not perfect people. We're not all perfectly healthy and perfectly godly and perfect in every way. But we're just here because we've found the love of a God who is. We found the love of God. Say, Listen, you completely blew it. Come on. Forgiveness is yours to be had. And then I'm going to help you get going the right way. You want to walk into the house? Come on in. But don't just cut across the house. Cut across the yard and ignore me. I'm here to help. I'm here to be close. Then in Matthew... Six. Matthew says this Jesus says this, Matthew's writing it It says give your entire attention And I don't know who this is for This just kind of woke me up this morning On Sunday mornings Especially this morning, it was terrible I get it. It's my one morning I get up early I'm not an early bird, I hate getting up early For all you people who get up early, y'all need help Like Jesus doesn't even get up Until 7.30 or 8, I'm convinced of it But as I was kind of reading this morning, and I was here early, and my brain was trying to figure out what time it was because the hour had messed me up, I read this. And it said, give your entire attention to what God is doing. I don't know who this is for, but this is for me this morning. Maybe this is what you're looking at. Give everything you got to what God's doing right now. And I just had some peace. There's some stuff in in my life and the life of the church and things that are coming. And I've been wound tight about it, but God said, Hey, you take care of what's doing right now. Don't get so worked up at what may or may not happen. Look at the next part of the verse. It says, and God's going to help you deal. And this is, I don't know who this is for today. Maybe if you're online, this is for you. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up and I highlighted this line for us. The last two words there: "When the time." Say it with me. "When the time." See, I think Jesus walked into the temple and cleared it and says, "Listen, y'all are doing stuff. It's not time. This is wrong. Stop it." Well, we're worried about when you're going to come back. Jesus' the disciples were freaking out. We're going to miss it. Don't worry about it. It's not time. Focus on what I'm doing now. Focus on healing now. Focus on finding me now. There's some of you in the room, your heart's beating a thousand thousand beats a minute. And it's not because of the donuts and coffee. It's because there's a God who so passionately wants to get close to you. And the Bible tells us, he knocks. And you have the decision to answer. The great, merciful, the thing I love about God, even when I blow it, I screw it up, I don't open the door for him. A few minutes later, he just keeps knocking. Why? Because of the week, this Passion Week, he so passionately says, I just, I want you to to know me like I already know you. Because whether you believe it or not, whether you believe there is a God or not, whatever your theology currently is, if you've never received Jesus, the Bible says he knows every hair on your head He knows every thought you have. He knows all about you. The Bible even goes so far as to say that he knew you before you were even in your mother's womb. And he said, all I want to do is be able for you to be able to get close to a good God. You don't have to be perfect, but you can get close to a good father. You don't have to be perfect, but you can get close because Jesus is doing what only he could do and only he could pay. So this morning as we, as we close, I don't know who that's for today. Somebody You're worrying about stuff that you cannot change in the days ahead. And God's probably doing something really good, really big in your life right now, and you don't see it because you're looking down the road and you're gonna miss what's right in front of you. My prayer today is that your experience with God is Okay, God, I trust you for two weeks from now. But I see what you're doing right now. Amen. And I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. I'm just, I'm going to bless you. God, I thank you that you kind of shook me and woke me up this morning. That God, we worry about what you're doing now. And what you're doing now is knocking on the doors and the hearts of the people here. God, I thank you for that. We hear, we listen, we obey, that we're not devaluing what you did. We're not being distracted from what you did. And God certainly help us not to dismiss your presence. I thank you for it now. Jesus name. The Bible tells us that for those who, as they meet Jesus, it's this simple. It says you confess it with your mouth. You believe it in your heart that what we're celebrating as we head up to Easter is true. That the son of God came and died for you, was resurrected and now is seated at the right hand of the Father. The Bible says you don't have to understand it. You don't have to be able to give a 21-point theological expose on why it's true. It simply says you have to believe it in your heart and confess it with your mouth. With every head bowed, every eye closed, we never end the service without, without this opportunity for you to take one step. And we celebrate it. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just gonna simply ask you to raise your hand with me so I can pray for you. And I want you this morning not to hesitate. I don't want the, the I still believe that Jesus is knocking. What he's doing today, he's knocking. And if that's you this morning, all I'm gonna ask you to do is just shoot your hand up at me and let me see you. One, there's one, two, three, anybody else? All right, then let's pray this together. Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, everybody pray. Lord Jesus, today I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. God, I'm sorry for not getting it right, but I trust you to help me get it right. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if that was you, there's a bunch of hands went up. If that was you this morning, you can click the little QR code in front of you. Um, There's one in the foyer as well, or you can fill out that little card. I'm not gonna show up at your house. Nobody's gonna show up at your house. We just wanna send you, hey, these are some things you can do to begin to take your steps, to help you move barriers out of the way for you to grow. Because I believe we serve a good God, a good father. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me? If you're visiting this morning, we like to sing one last song as we leave. I call it a settle time, just to let what, what God said and a message settle in your heart and then ask God this question, God, was that for me? What is it you're trying to tell me? And then respond to it. But I'm gonna bless you and then we're gonna sing. God, I thank you in Jesus' name that you're a good father. God, you're good to us, your grace and your mercy. So much so you sent Jesus for us to pay the price that I couldn't ever pay in my own life. And for everybody within the sound of my voice, God, we thank you for it. We leave here today excited, celebrating, not worried about the how or the when. But God, we're focused on the who and what you're doing now in our lives. And God, we worship you. We celebrate that. And we thank you for it now, Father. In Jesus' name.